And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, <laughs> listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. <laughs> I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Stacey Harris stars as Agent Jim Taylor on another true crime case on This Is Your FBI. Then Milton Berle salutes South America on part one of the Milton Berle show from 1947. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? I didn't hear hello. You said you were going to say hello. Oh, hello. 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 How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good to be here Or should here I do again. it like Adele? Hello. It's me. Is it me no, you're it looking me. for? Is that <laughs> that's something? That's another song. Okay. Yeah, it's close, I like though. that. I like Adele, though. She's really good. But uh, good to see you. Good to see you. Would you like to listen to a good uh, sort of police drama? Only if it's This Is Your FBI from April 6, 1951. Right. It's called The Soybean Shakedown. We're going to tune this in. Stacy Harris stars as Agent Jim Taylor. He worked for our U.S. government. He was an FBI agent, and he solved crimes. Peggy Weber is in this cast, Lisa, our good pal Peggy, who's been on the show many times. Let's tune into part one now of the Soybean Shakedown on This Is Your FBI. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. This Is Your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, Kidnapping. It's titled, The Soybean Shakedown. In tonight's case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, you will meet two typical American racketeers. For a quick lesson in crime prevention, let's take a brief look at the backgrounds of these two hoodlums. By what is not an odd coincidence, both men grew up in what are known to social workers as broken homes, in homes which had been deserted by the father. During the critical years of adolescence, every growing boy needs what psychologists call an ego ideal. In other words, a grown man on whom he can pattern his conduct someone to admire and hero worship. With no father to play this role in his life, a youth is always in greater danger of falling under corrupting influences. This is the real tragedy of divorce. This is what every father in tonight's audience who may be thinking of divorce should bear in mind. The loss of one parent during a child's youth may mean the difference between good citizenship and delinquency. To be sure, not all children from broken homes go wrong. But it is a fact that a broken home is often a major factor in delinquency. 
Your FBI invites you to see what two products of such broken homes can develop into when they reach adult years. Tonight's file opens outside the small shack that serves as the railroad station in a Midwestern farming town. A lone man stands on the platform watching the noon train from the city arrive. and a young boy get off one of the forward cars. The boy looks around and says, Mom, there's Uncle George. He sees his buddy. Oh, my balls were up. I left them on the... No, I've got them. Oh, swell. Ellie. <laughs> Hello, Uncle George. Good oh, to yeah. see you. <laughs> Hello, buddy. Hi, Uncle George. Look, I can throw a curve. Here, you take the glove, oh, and I'll go no down ball there and playing throw. till we get to the farm now. Oh, come The uh, truck's down this way. I'll carry the small bag. I've got them both. What do you hear from Tom? I had a letter just before we left. Pop's a sergeant now. He's got his own platoon. Good for him. They go out at night with guns and... <laughs> All right, <laughs> Did he know about you moving up here with me? Mm-hmm. I wrote him right after you called. You know how far it is to Korea? 7,850 miles. I looked it up in my geography. Quite a piece. Uncle George, did you ever run into Neil York? Who? Neil York. He went to school with Tom. I think the last we heard, he was on the state police. You can't say I remember him. Uncle George. What? Is that your truck? Uh huh. Boy, that's keen. Newest thing on the road. I'm in here, Alice. Oh, thanks. Can I sit in the middle? Sure, go ahead, sir. Thanks. Uncle George, is that a note for you? Uh, note? Where? On your windshield. It says get rid of the truck. No more warnings. Oh, that's some. Some kids playing a joke. Let's get out to the farm and have some dinner. Uncle George, Bossy's milk and the barn's cleaned up. Can I drive the track now, buddy? Well, now, you better go easy, boy. You've been milking Bossy like she's a fountain. And you'll have that field so dug up with... Then can I pick some hay? <laughs> sure. Thanks. Alice... Does that boy ever just plain walk? No, he can help it. <laughs> Visitors? Looks that way. Who are they? A couple of men from town. Morning, Mr. Wayne. I've told you before to keep off my property. You drove into town again yesterday. That's right. We left a note on your windshield. I saw it. What's all this? Yeah, keep out of it, Alice. Say, Mr. Wayne... You want a tip? Not from you two. Don't move another load of beans to the city unless it's in one of our trucks. We've seen lots of them turn over lately. You men, get out of here. Go on. Okay. Just remember, this is a final one. Come on, Blackie. Okay. Uncle George, what are they talking about? It's nothing to fret over. I can handle it. Hi, Roy. Huh? Oh, oh, hello, Borange. Roy, me and Blackie got problems. Well, I'd rather you didn't bring them here. It's important. We had to talk to you, Roy. What's with them clippers? Uh, they're used to prune roses. 
Well, now, what's your problem? Uh, collections have been pretty good. I guess you know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be better. Well, they would be. But I can't get all the farmers to join. For example, there's a guy named Wayne over on the turnpike. He doesn't want to... Eddie, Eddie, don't come to me with every little thing. Yeah, but you said to see you... If I wanted to be bothered with details, I'd be running the company myself. I brought you two out here so that I could take things easy. You're getting 25% of the take? Well, earn it. Solve your own deals. Run it like a regular business. Get tough. They'll join. Cripple a few of them if you have to. Just bring in the receipt. Now, do you understand? Yeah. Oh, uh, hand me that ball of twine, will you? Some of these roses need a little support. A few hours later, Alice Dawson is at the nearby state police barracks being greeted by Trooper Neil York. Alice, it's good to see you again. Oh, thanks, Neil. Come on over and sit down. What do you hear from Tom? He's fine. Here we are. Thanks. I guess young Buddy's an old man by now. Uh, twelve. Well, what a twelve. <laughs> you should have brought him along. Almost did. But, well, Neil, this isn't altogether a social visit. Oh? You remember Bud's Uncle George? Just about. Uh, his name's Payne or... Wayne. George Wayne. Yeah, that's right. Well, what about him? He's in trouble, Neil. What kind? Well, I'm not sure myself, but I'll tell you what I know. All right. Uncle George met me at the train last week, and I found a note on his truck telling him to get rid of it. Go on. And this morning, two men came to the farm. They threatened to kill him if he drove another load of beans into the city. Now, I'm not sure of their names, Eddie but... Powell and Blackie Grant. Who are they? Racketeers. Got an outfit called the Southern County Produce Company that rents trucks. They've gotten pretty near every soybean farmer around here to hire their vehicles. Why? Well, at first, it's a good deal for the farmers. They rent the trucks cheaper than they can run their own. After one month, though, Powell raises the rates. Why don't the farmers drive their own trucks? Well, a few tried, but they had bad accidents right afterwards. You know about it, and you're letting it go on. Alice, we're so short of men, we have trouble handling traffic. Somebody must be able to do something. Maybe you can. Me? So far, not a single farmer has been willing to testify about this coercion. Can you get Uncle George to sign a statement for us? I'll try. What do you want him to say? Exactly what you told me. I'm going into town this afternoon to see a friend of mine at the FBI. Get that down on paper and they'll have a case. What you doing, Uncle George? Just washing up. Why? It's not time to eat. I know, but I'm getting set to drive to town. Can I go along? Uh, no, sir. Aww. One thing your mother's done around here, and that's to keep clean towels Hello. in it. Oh, hi, Mom. We're in the kitchen. I'm sorry I'm so late getting back. That's all right. I'll get dinner started in a few minutes. Skip me, Alice. I'm going to town. Oh? Buddy, dear. Yes, Mom? I'll need some milk for dinner. How about you visiting, Bossy? Sure, Mom. And take a look at the chickens while you're out there. I will. Uncle George, you can't drive into the city. Why not? It's too dangerous. 
Now, Alice, you're scared because of those punks. They're not hey. punks. Eddie Powell and Blackie Grant are racketeers. Who told you their names? Tom's friend on the state police. I went to see him today. You didn't talk about me. Yes, George, I did. Now, why'd you want to go and do that? Because the best way to fight men like that is through the police. Uh, why don't the police stop them before now? Because no farmer in the valley will stand up and testify against them. The police will protect you. Why don't you let them? They're going to move in and live here every day? Oh, of course not. And it ain't protection. Now, that's Alice, ridiculous. a man's got to fight his own battles. And I'm fighting this one. I'm driving that truckload of beans into town right now. And that's the story, Jim. What do you think? Well, there's not much doubt about it being a conspiracy to interfere with interstate commerce. No, those trucks cross the state line coming to the market. Uh, one thing we need is a witness. Well, this George Wayne might give us a statement. I'll know tonight or in the morning for sure. Neil, who runs the Southern County Produce Company? A man named Eddie Powell. He's got an assistant named Blackie Grant. You mean this whole deal's a two-man operation? Well, so far as we know. Eddie Powell. Powell. You know, I'm pretty sure Roy Fergus had somebody with that name working for him. Well, Fergus moved up near Gatesville not long ago. Oh? Hey, maybe there's a connection. But Jim, he bought himself a big place up there, and well, from what I hear, all he does is putter around his garden. Neil, men like Fergus never really quit as long as there's an easy dollar laying around. Tell me, how long you be in town? I'm catching the 410 back to Gatesville. Well, I can't be rid of that quick, so you go ahead, huh? I'll see you up there first thing in the morning. <laughs> Yes, buddy? Mom, some men are here. Where? Outside in the shed. They're acting real funny. They're spilling stuff on the beans. Smells like kerosene. Did they see you? No, and I don't know who they are. Come on, but... show them to me. Okay. There are two of them. One's got a small mustache, and the other's a big... Easy. Huh? Let's move up on them slowly. I'll fight them if you want, Mom. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I can handle this. There. There they are. The same ones. Who are they, Mom? I'll tell you later. But who are they? Over here, too, Blake. There's more kerosene. We won't need it. Get them on these bags over here, okay? Come on, sir. We'll have a new truck, Mother Mom. Yeah. What are you men doing? Oh, hello, lady. I'd like an answer. What are you doing? A little convincing. That's kerosene. You don't say. You get off this property. Blackie, a little more on these bags. Okay. Stop that. Shut up. Hey, don't talk to my mother like that. Why, you little... Buddy. Don't try to yell. Hold her a minute, Blackie, while I light up the place. All right, come on. criminal conspiracy exhibited in tonight's case is not unique in FBI experience. Similar situations exist today in other parts of the country. In case after case, the victims make the same mistake. Like George Wayne, they fail to recognize that there is nothing a criminal fears more than being reported to the authorities. That most criminals, in spite of their big talk and bold threats, are cowards at heart. If George Wayne had faced the issue squarely, had cooperated with the state police, he might have saved himself, his niece, and her son much hardship. Mm -hmm.
tonight's FBI file continues the following morning inside the state police barracks near Gatesville. Special Agent Taylor has just arrived to meet Trooper Neil York. Hi, Neil. Jim, I'm glad you're here. This case has gotten complicated. Why? What's happening? Well, I first learned this morning there had been a fire last night at George Wayne's farm. Huh? Went out to check on it and found that the shed had burned down. I went to the farmhouse. The front door was wide open. There was no one there. Uh-huh. I checked with the neighbor. Could he help? I learned that Mr. Wayne had driven a load of beans into the city last night. What about Alice Dawson and her son? Well, the, the neighbor said he saw a car come barreling out of the place right after the shed started burning. Uh-huh. Alice and her son were in the back seat. Who was driving? He said there were two men in front, but he couldn't identify them. How about the car? Well, he just described it as a dark sedan. Yeah. Now, have you gotten any report on how the shed caught fire? Yeah, yeah, the fire department said it had been doused with kerosene. Ah. When will Wayne be back from the city, Neil? Sometime today. If that was Powell and Grant driving the car, we could be up against the added feature of kidnapping. I know. Come on, Neil, let's drive out to that farm. Roy, we got trouble. Yeah? What now? Well, we went out to that guy Wayne's place, started to burn the shed when a dame and her kid came out. He started yelling, so we had to take them with us. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? We put them in the car and hauled them away. Oh, that was brilliant. Where are they now? In the warehouse. Blackie with them? Yeah. Are uh, either of them hurt? No. What should we do with them, Roy? Well, wait a minute. Let's see. If they get loose, they'll make trouble. Well, uh, let the mother go. She'll run right to the law. No, not if you keep the kid. You tell her the boy will go free if she doesn't rumble to the law. Yeah? You keep an eye on her after you let her go. If she keeps her bargain, return the kid. Well, suppose she don't. Eddie, do I have to spell everything out for you? No, but I... Tell her if she goes to the law, she gets the kid back anyway. Only in different shape. Yeah, chick, 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 chick. Who's that? Alice. Alice, where have you been? What's happened around here? Uncle Charlie. Oh, no. No, then, no, Alice. No, all right, no. All right, no. Tell me. What's been going on? I come home, no one's here. The shed's burned down. They did it? Those men? Powell and Grant? Yes. And they've got Buddy. What are you talking about? They came here last night. We tried to stop them. They took us both away with them. And they let me go. Why'd they keep the boy? To stop me from calling the police. Where'd they got him? In a warehouse. Where? Just over the state line. They're not stopping you from calling the police. Come on. No, wait. We can't. Why? If we call the police, they said they'd kill Buddy. I'll get it, Uncle George. Alice. Hello, Neil. What are you doing here? I told you I was staying with Bud's uncle. Mrs. Dawson, we heard you were kidnapped. What? Oh, sorry, Alice. This is Agent Taylor of the FBI. How are you, Mrs. Dawson? Please come in. Who's that, Alice? Go ahead, Neil. It's uh, Neil York. Oh, hello there. Hello, Mr. Wayne. This is Mr. Taylor. 
How is it? How do you do, Mr. Taylor? Uncle George, they heard I was kidnapped. Huh? Mrs. Dawson, do you mind if we ask you a few questions? Of course not. But did you leave here last night in a car with two men? No. Alice, you weren't here last night. Uh, oh, yes, I uh, took Uncle George's jalopy into the village. Buddy wrote his father a letter and he wanted to mail it at the post office. Mm. Were you here when the shed was burned? No. Tell me, why, why are you asking me all this? We're trying to get some information. Mr. Wayne, maybe you can help us. Glad to, if I can. I understand you've been threatened by Eddie Powell and warned against running your own truck. Powell? Who's he? Well, don't you know, sir? Can't recall by the name. Alice told me yesterday two men came out here and threatened you. If it wasn't Powell and Grant, who was it? Alice, you tell him that? Yes, I did, but I guess I was mistaken. Mr. Wayne, if you're not talking because you're afraid, the police will give you protection. Like some protection against them crows. Been eating my beans right Neil, off. we're not getting anything here. Come on, let's get back to your place. And that's the first portion of This Is Your FBI, starring Stacey Harris as Agent Jim Taylor. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Let's get back now to This Is Your FBI. Jim, did you re interview Wayne's neighbor? Yeah. He says Alice Dawson was definitely in the back seat with a boy. I don't understand this. Well, maybe Paul's got her scared, too. How about picking him up? On what charge, Neil? Conspiracy, kidnapping, anything. We know he's guilty. He can't get a warrant without proof. Well, let's go question Roy Fergus. I did that often enough in the old days. I'll tell you what he'll give us. His name and address. And if we want anything else, he'll demand we arrest him or leave. Talk about your iron curtains. Oh, wait a minute, Neil. When's the mail delivered out of Wayne's farm? Around 10.30. Why? There is an overseas airmail on the table addressed to Buddy Dawson. Must have been from his dad. It was unopened. We didn't get there until just before noon. That means the boy hadn't seen it yet. You said something about it raining up here last night? That's right. Well, there are only two sets of footprints in the dirt out at the farm. Both of them were headed into the house. I don't see what you're getting at, Jim. Don't you see? Nobody left the place this morning yet. Do you remember how the table was set? No. For two, which would be Mrs. Dawson and George Wayne. Now, if Paul was holding the boy, neither of them would be very likely to talk. Yeah. But still, how do we prove it without their help? Let's take a chance on something. 
If I call Mrs. Dawson and tell her that I'm wanted. Blackie. I'm over here. Where's the kid? Back of them bales. Been crying all morning. Finally went to sleep. Better wake him up. So he can cry again? No, we're taking him out of here. You mean we're letting him go? No, we're moving him into town. How come? State cop went to see his mother after she got back to the farm. I called Roy, told him about it, and he said the kid should be moved. Okay. Wait. Who's that? Mrs. Dawson. Kid's mother. What do you want? Came to get my son. He ain't here. But you told me to come here. He told you? Yes, he just called me. You're a liar. I talked to you less than an hour ago. Something phony about this. Grab her, Blackie. Hold it, both of you. I got him covered, Jim. Neil, how did you... Mr. Dawson will explain everything on the way down to headquarters. Roy Fergus, Eddie Powell, and Blackie Grant were convicted of kidnapping. Each was given a sentence of life in the federal penitentiary. Special Agent Taylor knew if his theory about the boys still being held captive was true. The only person who might lead them to the hideout was Mrs. Dawson. Calling her, he said he was Eddie Powell and told her to come and pick up her son. It was then a simple matter to follow George Wayne's car to the warehouse. And so another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation was closed. During the search of the warehouse following Powell and Grant's arrest, evidence was found which linked the allegedly retired Roy Fergus to the shakedown racket. Enough evidence to convict him along with his hired hoodlums. Other gangs still operate, though. They, too, must be broken up. Your FBI tells you how they can be smashed. And with your cooperation, they will be. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, armed robbery. Its title, The Runaway Sister. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Herbert Butterfield, Walter Catlett, Herbert Ellis, Kenneth Peters, Richard Reeves, Jeffrey Silver, and Peggy Weber. This is Your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Runaway Sister on This Is Your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood. And that's This Is Your FBI from April 6, 1951 with the Soybean Shakedown starring Stacey Harris. Sponsored by the Equitable Life Assurance Society is heard on ABC. Before we tune into the Milton Berle Show, I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website for this show. 
It's called Hollywood360Radio.com. Just go there. There's all kinds of fun stuff, including a podcast of our entire four-hour radio show. Hollywood 360 is four one-hour shows. They're there at our website, along with a bonus hour that we did not broadcast. So you get five hours of podcast at Hollywood360Radio.com. There's also a terrific store with hundreds and hundreds of classic radio shows available on digital download or CD purchase. So check that out as well, along with our schedule and pictures of Lisa. What else is there, Lisa? Uh, just pictures of me. I don't think tons, anything else is important. Tons and tons of pictures of Lisa at Hollywood360radio.com. Okay, it's time for the Milton Berle Show. It came to NBC Radio in 1947 as a half-hour comedy show where each week Burl would salute a popular topic such as income taxes, prize-fighting, gambling, and so forth. On this series, Burl brought in Arnold Stang, who would later become his TV sidekick. In 1947 and 1948, the Milton Burl radio show took so much of Burl's time that he declined numerous high-paying nightclub acts and other endeavors. After the 1948 radio season, he starred in a variety show for the Texaco Oil Company called the Texaco Star Theater. With TV burgeoning, Texaco quickly transitioned it to the small screen. On TV, where Burl's visual humor and characteristics could be fully implemented, he quickly became a superstar known to millions of viewers as Uncle Milty. In 1951, he signed a 30-year contract with NBC, which was unheard of at that time, as it is now. Yeah, 30 years. Yeah, 30-year wow. contract. I'll take one of those. I'll sign years? you to a 30-year contract, Lisa. Uh, I'm not, I have to think about that one. One million pennies over oh, 30 years. What do you think of for that? For sure. I'm, I'm on board. You're on? All right. Yep, let's do that. That's great. Okay, it's time now for part one of the Milton Berle Show from September 2nd, 1947. Here's a salute to South America starring Milton Berle. The Milton Berle Show. From Radio City, New York, The Milton Berle Show. With Bert Hilton, Mary Ship, Jack Albertson, Arnold Stang, Frank Milano, Arthur Kubrian, Egg Bedgley, our singing star, Dick Farney, the music of Ray Block, and the orchestra, and yours truly, Frank Gallup. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we salute our South American neighbors, now in session at the Rio Conference for the purpose of cementing relations. Milton Berle! <laughs> Back that introduction. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. May I join President Truman in saluting our Latin American neighbors by saying, La Sarayador, que me dirigiado, que sobre lo que era que italiano, y la cara, ¿por qué? Translation, do you need money? <laughs> no cosigners, no delay. Just ask Harry and take it away. <laughs> Burl, I'm amazed. Do you know Spanish? Uh, do I know Spanish? Yes. A little bit. I know just about enough Spanish to understand Xavier Cougat when he's speaking English. <laughs> Why, Mr. Gallup, uh, do, you, uh, do you speak Spanish? Why, certainly. Do you speak fluently? Uh, no, just Spanish. <laughs> oh, my word, that was a jolly one, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was jazzy. <laughs> That was a that was a picherino with a goody goody gumdrop on top. 
No, I'm, I'm serious, Mr. Gallup. Do you, do you really understand Spanish? Hmm? Oh, I, I mean, do you know uh, hasta mañana, uh, hasta la vista? No, but I do know hasta la vant. Mr. Gallup! Oh, my word, I did it again. <laughs> yes, I oh, I do declare, with a little encouragement, I could be another Hildegard. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, will you please watch yourself? You're going to strain that one corpuscle you have left. <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Gallup, really, what's got into you? Oh, I guess I am a bit overstimulated, Burl. The high jinx of the Legion Convention, you know. Well, Mr. Gallup, you belong to the American Legion? Do I belong? Yeah. I am assistant to Commander Deems Taylor of the Shostakovich Post, number six. There is a Shostakovich post? For the music lovers. Oh, I see. <laughs> we were the cut-ups of the convention. You are, Hal. Well, well, what did you do? Oh, it was just too utterly mad. <laughs> Come on. No, uh, I, we have a nice audience here. They'd yes, like to know. Tell us, what did you do? Well, first, we all got high on root beer floats. <laughs> yes. Then we all gathered on the roof of Carnegie Hall and pelted the people below with mandolin picks. You didn't. <laughs> we did. <laughs> you demons, you. <laughs> you, 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 you. You were insane. Oh, if only it had ended there, but it wound up in a brawl. A brawl? Mm. What happened? Well, we broke up a Phil Spitali rehearsal and chased the girls up 8th Avenue. <laughs> you cads. We suffered for it. Did you? One of our members, a Mr. C.C. Gribble of South Bend, was badly scratched. He caught one of the girls? He caught Phil Spitalny. <laughs> he has sharp nails, too. <laughs> Mr. Gallup, what is happening to the dignity of the music world? It's terrible, isn't it? I, I'm saying it is. <laughs> yes. You, you, you and your, your Shostakovich's running wild, that's bad enough. But coming so soon after the Tommy Dorsey-Benny Goodman fight, that's terrible. Margaret Truman may have to carry on all alone now. <laughs> but simmer down. Simmer down, Mr. Gallup. Simmer down. Don't worry. We're going to present our salute to our friends below the border. Exotic South America. South America. Pearl of the Southern Hemisphere. Shining jewel of the tropics. Home of Coffeehead. <laughs> South America, mountain paradise Bounded on the west by the Andes And on the east by the Amoses <laughs> That's a team, you know This used to be pick and fat This is a strange Formerly molasses in January This is a strange A strange land, South America A land of contrasts Go a few miles inland And you are lost in a trackless steaming jungle Where all you hear is Yet, yet only a few miles from this wilderness stands the modern city of Rio de Janeiro, where every night in the smart, lavish setting of its famous Copacabana nightclub, you can hear... I guess they get the same crowd. Let us go on and on. South America. Come with us, dear listener. Come with us for a voyage up the mysterious Amazon River. We board our gleaming white craft, the good ship Kukalagumba. <laughs> she points her proud nose up the river, and we're off 
with the roar of a mighty engine. we glide up the mighty Amazon away from civilization. Here the banks of the river are overgrown with lush tropical vegetation and an occasional Burma shave sign. <laughs> from a bamboo hut, a friendly native appears. Yahoo! We call to him. <laughs> he answers. <laughs> but our dirty, our sturdy ship... <laughs> Our sturdy ship never falters as her mighty engines press onward. <laughs> Suddenly, around a bend, we come upon a village of Amazon women. These Amazon women are as big as men and as strong as men. Wait! There is an Amazon woman waving to us from the shore. We call to her. Hello, miss! And she answers... What do you say, bud? <laughs> and as she waves her husband at us in farewell, <laughs> we surge forward onto the into the Eint, onto the Yinded. <laughs> into the unknown. That whole line was unknown to me, I think. <laughs> Trusting in the power of our mighty engines. At last, our goal, the headwaters of the Amazon, the lost world. Here, no human foot has ever trod. Here, nothing lives. Here, wait, someone is peering out of one of the bushes. Wait, can it be a human? Hello there. Hello. Who are you? What? Who are you? I'm a bookie. Is it safe to come back to New York? <laughs> As we point with our pride, proud noses. I gotta go to school, no good. As we point with our proud noses toward home, we say farewell, South America. Farewell, gem of the new world. And South America answers... Thank you, Guy Lombardo, for the use of your boat. <laughs> and thank you, Carmen, for playing the part of the boat. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, it's with great pleasure we present our distinguished guest. He is the hero of millions of South Americans, one of the world's foremost bullfighters, none other than Emilio Gonzalez Gomez. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Emilio. <laughs> Buenas noches, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. <laughs> Senor Gomez, at the climax of a bullfight, as you, the Toreador, facing the charging bull, what is the essential thing to do? Thrust and lunge. Uh, thrust and lunge? I see. What uh -huh. comes after the lunge? Dinner. <laughs> 
That's just my widow joke. That's your little joke. Uh-huh. We'll mop it up later. Tell us, uh... <laughs> Tell us, Emilio, I understand there is a strict procedure in becoming a bullfighter. Oh, very strict. There is? Yeah, a bullfighter has to kill 50 bulls before he earns the title of El Senor Toreador. El Senor Toreador? And what does he call before this? El Junior Toreador. <laughs> That's only logical, isn't it? Oh, yes, logical, sure. Logical. The ceremonies at a bullfight are very, very impressive. Uh, could you list the men who take part? Oh, Gladway. What? Gladway. Oh, Gladway, yeah. <laughs> he ran forth today. I know him. Gladway. Collect. What? Collect. No, I willing. <laughs> we know I willing tonight. No, I willing. Yeah. All right. Well, there are the Toreadors. Yes. The Matadors. Yes. The Picadors. Yes. And also the men on horses who keep turning around and round and get the bull dizzy. I see. What are they called? Revolving doors. <laughs> <laughs> they call me the Fred Allen of Boston, won't it? <laughs> you look more like Portland of the Cement Company. Senor, <laughs> what is your greatest thrill in the bullfight? Well, it's right after I kill the bull. I see. With a grand flourish... I cut off the bull's left ear. You do that because it's the custom? I do that because I'm hungry. Well, that's murder, senor. I understand you are the only bullfighter who has ever won the right to the title of El Estor Mago Cabillo. That's correct. El Estor Mago Cabillo. Tell us about the fight that won you this title. Well, it was two years ago in Granada. In Granada, yep. The bull came rushing at me. Closer and closer he came. It was at that moment that I earned the title of El Estor Mago Cabillo. Cabillo it is, I see, and... uh, what, uh... <laughs> I'll never get my diploma. And tell me, uh, that's how you earned that title. That's right. What did you do? I ran away. You ran away? What does the title uh, El Esto Mar uh, Cabillo mean? Yellow Bowie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Emilio. You are there magnifico. Oh, Burrow. I'm sorry, Mr. Gallagher. I, I keep taking your line. Watch that. I have very few as it is. <laughs> Burrow, tonight you portray that daring bad man from below the Rio Grande, Poncho Burl. I'm Mexican tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm Poncho? Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. You come galloping up to your bandit gang. Whoa, chababa, chababa. <laughs> Men, caballeros, tonight we ride. Olay. <laughs> Tonight we sneak across the border to United States. We rob banks, rustle maybe cattle, play a little pinball machines, see Patrillo. Then maybe... <laughs> then maybe we go to Hollywood, get a few days' work at Republic Studios. Olay. And that's the first portion of the Milton Burl Show from September 2nd, 1947. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, we'll have the conclusion.